Michael Salnick here, student pastor here at Denver Baptist Church. I'm sitting here with my beautiful wife. I'm Meredith. Um, I am Michael's wife, and I'm also the FCA um, ambassador for Lincoln County. But today I'm not speaking on behalf of FCA. I'm speaking on behalf of DBC Pulse Student Ministry Leaders. Yeah, and we're doing this podcast here today. Glad you guys are with us. This is for parents, but also for students. We think it's good for them to listen in and what we're talking about as well. Mm -hmm. So we hope this is encouraging for you guys and helpful. Uh, But we are two people um, who love Jesus. Yep. We're all about Jesus. Yep. Believe in Jesus. We follow Mm -hmm. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So we thought it'd be good to start out and talk about how we met Jesus. So Meredith, how'd you meet Jesus? So I grew up in um, a, a Christian home, very devout parents who I would wake up in the mornings and they would be up early in God's word. Um, going to church was not optional. Um, and my, I had an older brother and sister who both loved the Lord at a young age. I was baptized at six. Um, and so I was very um, heavily in the church. I didn't, we didn't have a youth group, but um, I think that in some ways it strengthened me to, I just knew I would be set apart. I'd be different. Um, so I didn't care about being different. Um, but I think my downfall was because I became a Christian so young that I just thought that I was good. I I thought I was a good person. I knew that, um, that Christ was mine. Salvation was mine, um, which was wonderful. And it was a wonderful assurance, but I didn't understand the gravity of my sin until I went to college and I really struggled with being out on my own. And, um, I gave into some, some sins that I thought I would never would give into. I just knew I was stronger than that. I was good. Um, and so it wasn't until then that I really realized and understood why I actually needed a savior and why Jesus needed to die on the cross because my sin was that terrible. Um, and so it was through, um, campus outreach that it, that was the first time that I really had other believers who were my age who came alongside me and encouraged me in my faith. And I had some older women um, other than my mom discipling me and just helping me, helping me grow and um, strengthening me in my faith. And so I think from that point on, um, I've just, I've had a heart to help younger women and, and to help provide that community for them, help them know the word of God. Yeah, that's great. Praise God for that, right? Yeah. Uh, for me, I grew up in church as well, uh, always going on Sundays, Wednesdays, um, and I just remember hearing the gospel Sunday after Sunday and driving home from church in, in the car and just telling my parents that I know I'm a sinner and I know I need a Savior and I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior and began some conversations um, about the gospel and uh, what that means and met with my, my pastor and got baptized in fifth grade and um, I just remember following my mom around the house and instantly just starting to understand the word um, and just excited about it, reading the gospel of John and <laughs> falling around and be like, this is crazy. This is in here. This is what Jesus is teaching. This is what he says. Did you know this? Did you know that? And I just remember eating it up at a young age and I had a great uh, youth pastor as I was involved in youth group uh, in middle school. And he started to disciple me, teach me a lot of things. I'm very grateful and thankful for it. And so I, I began to grow in my faith. And I remember, um, uh, my Mima, my grandma, um, just started saying, I, I think you're going to be a youth pastor one day. And my youth pastor was telling me the same thing. And, um, I can't say I always had that desire all the way through. Um, but, uh, I am a youth pastor now and I'm very thankful for that. Um, but as I went through high school years, there was definitely some struggles. Um, 
with the the world and the world's freedoms and trying to navigate those things and then as well in college my first semester but i'm thankful that i got involved with the a ministry in college called campus outreach and really got um some discipleship um that really helped me uh, grow a lot in my faith and since the calling in the ministry and, and that's where we met so we both met jesus and then we met in college at uncg through campus outreach and we were friends for three years so as we were pursuing Christ, right. um, we formed a friendship and through that became dated and started get, and got married. But I think it's just a blessing from God that um, we weren't focused on each other. We were focused on Christ. And then he brought us together in that way. And we've just been able to do ministry together basically since we've met. So I think that looking back, that's just such a grace that we've, mm-hmm. this is natural for us that we get to do this yeah. together. So we were doing ministry together in college before marriage now we're married and been doing ministry together. Um, but God also blessed us with three kids, all 16 and a half months apart. So back to back to back, three-time champion. Yeah. And uh, so very thankful for those little ones who keep us busy. Yes. And uh, we're thankful to be doing ministry here at Denver Baptist Church, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, love we love the students. We love parents. We love the people here. Uh, very blessed and very thankful uh, to do ministry alongside people here, which... Leads me to say that we say this saying a lot um, about student ministry. We're going to get into that and say we're not here uh, to parent, but here to partner. Mm -hmm. We're here to come alongside parents, and we don't want to police teenagers (laughs) around. We want to come alongside them and help you in in the discipleship of that. But first, let's talk about Pulse, Pulse Student Ministry, and what is Pulse all about. And um, our students actually voted on this name. We were trying to come up with a student name, and Six and a half years ago. Six and a half years ago. Six and a half years. Six and a half years. That's kind of crazy to say. It is. Time has flown by. But what is PULTS? Uh, It was an acronym. Uh, So pursue, unite, love, serve, and equip. And if you walk through those, they're very important in the Christian faith. To know that Christ pursued us, and we're called to go pursue others with the gospel, Mm -hmm. but also that we're united together as brothers and sisters in Christ through the gospel. We're now a new race. Mm -hmm. And then you got uh, love. And we know how God first loved us. And so that's very important. And we're and called to go carry that love to our neighbors and right. all those around us. Love God and love your neighbor. Which propels us into serve, as is serve. Yeah. And then we know that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And so we're called to do the same. And then for us to be equipped. Um, we know God's going to do complete the work in us. and But we're also called to, to go out on mission. And we need to be equipped to do that. So that's what we seek to do here in this ministry. So pursue, unite, love, serve, and equip. But also, Pulse has three different meanings. Um, Pulse also means for your heartbeat that we all know about. Check your pulse. Check your pulse. And we want to check and make sure we're alive in Christ. Always examine ourselves in the faith. Apostle Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians 13. Um, We also want to be loud. Pulse means being loud. Be loud for Christ. Be loud with the gospel. Proclaim it. Be unashamed of it. And then the third one is uh, Pulse's uh, deep impact. And so mm-hmm. we want to have a deep impact with the gospel. And we know the gospel um, does have a deep impact in the world. Mm-hmm. So, And sending students out into their schools and making a deep impact and being allowed for Christ. Yeah. And so we as a student ministry have a lot of leaders, a lot of volunteers. We're very thankful for our team um, who sacrifice a lot of their time and are very faithful um, and are passionate about teenagers mm-hmm. uh, hearing the gospel and walking alongside of them as well. And so we try to come to 
together and figure out, okay, how do we measure success and how do we um, know that we're actually being faithful and we're doing things mm-hmm. well. And I'm very thankful for a resource through Lifeway um, that, that gives us, actually came up with these three elements of student ministry and we decided to adopt that and use that. And so... So I think it can be dangerous to just look at numbers and I I hate the concept of like, of just numbers because we know that the kingdom of God, I mean, numbers are important. Um, but in some ways there's a whole book of the Bible called numbers, but when it comes to (laughs) measuring anything on this, in the spiritual realm, like we can't see what God's doing. We're called to be faithful. We're called to proclaim the gospel. We're, we're called to, to work hard, um, in what God's called us to do. But, um, instead of measuring like, Hey, how many kids are attending our youth group right. or whatever we are, th- these kind of serve as a filter. So anytime we get together as a team or we start brainstorming ideas or whatever, um, we're not just very strict on programs. What we're strict on is, are we being faithful to the word of God? Mm-hmm. Are we, is this going to help us, um, expand God's kingdom? Is this going to, uh, um, provide for a, a culture that, um, will, help transform character and build fellowship, build relationships. And so these three things are really serve as a filter by which we determine what events we're going to do. Um, Cause like you said before, we're not a social club. We're not here just to fill up your kids summers or Wednesday nights or whatever it is. Like there's a purpose behind everything we do. And we pray that that is to help your child grow closer to Christ. Yeah. And so those, those three things are, she already handled some of them, but the three things, the first one is kingdom expanding. So you mentioned that and how we want to uphold the gospel, hold it out. We know only God can save uh, and expand in his kingdom. And then the second one is character transforming. Um, I always kind of let parents know that when you're, your teenager or your preteen shows up at sixth grade. And then when they leave at 12th grade, that they, we're not just saying, all right, here's your mature Christian. Uh, doesn't work that easier that way. Cause we know God's got to do the work, but we want to set up a culture. You're right. Whereas character transformation is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and that only happens to the Holy spirit. And so we are praying that they would come to know Jesus, expand God's kingdom. Right. And then hold out the Bible that the Bible would transform them. And then the last thing is that, Hey, we believe even a middle schooler, right now or or an elementary student doesn't matter a christian mm-hmm. shapes the culture a mm-hmm. christian doesn't get shaped by the culture but goes into the culture uh to proclaim the gospel and be different to be a light um and so this is what we want to them to know and believe in that and so they want them to be culture shaping that's very important yeah so um another thing is um you know it's very important for you and very important for me uh, we were in college is I think we got that one-on-one discipleship, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that we see that in the Bible. Um, we see that um, there's a catchy phrase that I heard on a podcast and he talked about crowds to conversations. Mm-hmm. Like in student ministry, we could draw a big crowd. I mean, really we can, um, not by the gospel necessarily, but through other things, but it's not about how big your crowd is, bigger numbers are like you talked about, but also are we having the conversations? Are we creating space for discussion to happen for us? Not to just preach and tell students truth, but have them wrestle with truth mm-hmm. and go ahead. Yeah. I just love like thinking about Jesus when he fed the 5,000, like the huge crowd followed him and they were amazed that he was like just doing all these miracles, doing all these things. Um, but he even used that as like his 
real target that he wanted to teach was his disciples. So he was like, hey, we have all these people. You provide them food. You do it. <laughs> and they were like, but Jesus, we don't have anything. You know, <laughs> And so it's like through the power of Christ, he can multiply the little bit you have. But I think the point here is that um, he, he taught to the crowds. He taught to the multitudes. And I think his miracles attracted people. But at the end of the day, um, it was the disciples that he pulled aside. Hey, Peter, James, and John, y'all come up to this mount with me. Let me show you something really cool. Like yeah. those were the ones that he was, as he was doing ministry, he was showing them, talking to them, explaining right. to them right. and, the and secrets this, of the kingdom. And this is why our, our mission statement is to connect, to connect students and parents to the gospel of Jesus Christ through fellowship and discipleship. So those are two things we know that are very important. And so we know student ministry, we want to have fun. We know we can have fun. But we also know, like you said, it's not a club. This isn't Pulse Club. <laughs> you know, If we have 50 kids showing up and they're having the time of their lives, but none of them care about Christ and we haven't pushed them right. closer to Christ, we're going to ditch it. Like that's yeah. not something worthy of our, right. of our effort and time. Like we want to, we want to conjure this, um, growing relationship with Christ. And the thing I think we forget is that word fellowship. It's not just a gathering to just have fun. A fellowship actually has, when the Bible talks about it, it has an element of pointing to Christ Mm -hmm. as an element of knowing that, Hey, we have something in common or at least we're interested. Actually, everybody might not be a Christian, but uh, who comes to youth group, but at least we're interested in something that's that's the same, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's true fellowship together. Um, and we believe that, uh, as I said, we're not here to parent, but to partner. We're not here to replace parents because mm-hmm. we believe the Bible teaches us that the parents are the disciples mm-hmm. of their children. And okay. so we believe that as parents. And uh, we believe God has given you the amazing role to do this. And even though we feel like, you know, maybe intimidated by it, we may have some fears about it, but it is what we're called to do. And so we're here to help. Right. Um, yeah, and so if a family, let's say a family, they're discipling their kids, um, why why is it still valuable for them mm-hmm. to send their kids to youth group? Yeah, it's a great question. And so if we look at that, okay, so how does student ministry fit into family discipleship would be a great question that somebody may have or I've had and wrestled with. And obviously we believe in student ministry or we wouldn't be doing it. And so we, we believe that student ministry um, is a great way to come alongside parents, but to be another voice. Mm-hmm another adult, another mature Christian that can speak into your children's lives to come alongside of hopefully what's already being told and taught in the home. And, uh, and I think that we as humans, we're just, we're just wired up, um, in a way where, uh, it's good to hear that consistency and hear a different voice and a different person, different perspective, uh, a different testimony, man. How many times we get encouraged uh, to hear other believers and how God has moved in their life and not just hearing one, but many. Well, even when we think about like um, emotional and psychological development, we know that the teen years are the years that kids are trying to figure out who they are. And so a lot of their identity is really derived from the crowd they hang out with. And so I think that's one reason that student ministry is so important is let this be your community or at least let this be part of your community that that's built around. And I'm not saying that every kid who comes to youth ministry is a solid believer. That's not the case. But what we do is going to revolve around prayer and God's It's going to be covered by prayer. It's going to be in God's word. We're going to have um, older disciples and mentors present who are thinking for um, the spiritual health and the emotional health of your children. That's right. Yeah, that's good. And so we know community is important for the believer. So even if you're, you're, 
uh, teenager, your your student that's at home and they're flourishing and doing well and you're discipling them, y'all are in the word together, whatever it may be, whatever you would say is, is a win that's going on, that's great. And we wouldn't say you have to have to come to student ministry, but we're like, hey, this is a layup, right? <laughs> like they can come be around other teenagers their age and, and have that community together that they may not go to the same schools, but they uh, can share some of the same um, just struggles that they may be going through and find some help of hearing out other students what they're going through. Maybe they could even help them. So we do know mm-hmm. that they could even be an influence uh, to other students, but also just to go and know and be heard and do this together with their peers. And there's just so many opportunities provided with youth ministry, like opportunities to serve. So the faith that you're building at home, like this is just an easy way for them to work out that faith um, practically. Mm-hmm. And also a summer camp. I mean, that's a spiritual greenhouse. They're going to learn right. so much and be equipped and trained in God's word. Um, but it just does something to your soul, especially as a young person, to see other people your age following Christ faithfully. I mean, that really does just sharpen you incredibly. Yeah. And we do know, you, you said this, that, yeah, we're a bunch of sinners getting together. So mm-hmm. things are still going to happen at youth group that will happen in the schools mm-hmm. <laughs> to some degree. Um, so we're here to want to uh, protect them from those things as much as we can. But we also want them to, to wrestle with some truth, wrestle with what God's word is saying and, and not just um, just preach at them, mm-hmm. but allow space where they also can come and, and wrestle with these things. So. And I mean, our student ministry is also a place that is safe for non-believers and people who are wrestling with their faith. Right. And so, right. I mean, all levels are welcome. Yeah, so. yeah that's good. And so I, I, um, we, I'll just say this. We're not here to say we're experts, right? Right. We, we, we wouldn't say that. Uh, but we are here to maybe point to some other experts. We want this to be a place where we're going to talk about some other resources um, and, and other things. But we want to tell you some things we've been learning from mm-hmm. Uh, other podcasts or other books we're reading or just being in God's word uh, together or things that we've even seen from perspective over these past six and a half years that we've been doing this. Um, Which the culture is changing. If, you, if you're a parent, you already know this or anyone who works with teens or lives with a teenager, you realize the culture is changing at a very rapid pace, especially right. since COVID. Everything is so, everything's online now. Um, and that has drastically affected psychological, emotional, mental health, um, and just the way that students relate or don't relate anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's important to keep up to date with all that. We say you're not an expert. I feel like we're just trying to study the culture all the time right. and figure out right. what is going on with Generation Z. So right. as parents, like that's one thing we want to help you with is right. to navigate like what is even going on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Over the last five years, they say that the culture has changed faster than in the other five years. And we definitely yeah. see that. Um, and yeah. we see the the... <laughs> I guess we could say the fruit of it, but it doesn't mean it's good fruit uh, necessarily um, in students' lives. But there also is, before we get to our next thing, I think um, it was, uh, I don't know if it was Barner Research or uh, some other research. We're not 100% sure, uh, but we did find that uh, students who had five adults um, investing in their life that they could trust, that they could go to, like, I, I, we don't know the exact stat, but I know it was like, really high that mm-hmm. they stayed involved in the church even mm-hmm. through the college years that was one of the key factors years. of of teens who ended up staying connected to a church and and remaining like in the faith they had 
five and five adults from their church invested in them yeah. at some point in time. So the the percentage goes way up if somebody at church, even though it's just one, even it's one adult. And then I think they did the research of three, and then they did the research of five, mm-hmm. and so. Um, so if they had five adults, that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to be, provide uh, a place where students can come, feel loved, have people pursuing them, Mm -hmm. loving them, walking alongside them, encouraging them. Um, and so that's our prayer and that's our hope that student ministry would do for your right. student or teenager. And I love how our kids talk about like our church family. Oh, they're part of our church family. And mm-hmm. that that's, that's biblical. That's so biblical, um, that our brothers and sisters in Christ, can be closer to us than our biological family. Now we don't want to replace parents by any means. We want your whole family to feel that, to feel loved by us. Like we want to, to create that and form, um, just like we said, other adults who can speak into their lives with you. And I think we get a unique perspective. Sometimes we see kids interact, um, in a way that can be helpful for us to communicate to parents like, Hey, this, do you see this consistently? You know, um, yeah, that's good. And we're going to get into a lot of this stuff in future episodes um, and kind of break some of this stuff down. But right now, I want to share some scripture. Um, and so John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, uh, it says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so we know that in this culture, um, there's a lot of uh, uh, voices that are, that are yelling, hey, this is freedom. Um, and really, it's kind of like throw off all social restraints. Just do whatever you want to do. Um, I mean, the, the Bible um, is very clear that, hey, there's also this other freedom, right? Not the world freedom, but a different kind of freedom. And we have to ask this question, okay, so what free from what? What are we being free from? Well, we're free from the slavery and bondage of sin. And so we got to go back to the beginning of the Bible, and we know that the first four words of the Bible is in the beginning, God. And what does that tell us? That tells us that God created all things, right? But also he has all authority, all authority over you, over me, over all creation, over all things. Therefore, he's the author and designer, and he had a perfect design for how we would relate with one another, how we would relate with God. So vertical relationship, horizontal relationships, everything was a perfect and perfect design. And then Adam and Eve in the garden, they want to go their own way. And they start to think um, that they could be God, right? And they could be in control or that they had a better way and they could find satisfaction outside of God's perfect design. And so they sin and rebel and go against God. And then everything breaks. Vertical relationship with God breaks. Uh, we're separated from him. Our, our horizontal relationships break. We see that with um, the two brothers, right? Cain and Abel. And the murder comes into play. And, and so we just see all creation, it, it just breaks. And so now what? Now God decides to pursue us. We go from his friends and perfect relationship to his enemies. And still he decides to pursue us through his son, Jesus Christ. And he does it by sending his son, Jesus, uh, to be to live this perfect life, to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins, because there's a debt now that we owe for our sin. And I love the verse, Romans 6, 23. Um, it's always been one that I've always memorized, and I, I share the gospel through a lot, but I think it's great and so great to one for students to know, parents for you to know. And Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so it just lays out the gospel right there. You know, a wage is something you earn. We've sinned. We've earned death. Um, there's now a free gift 
uh, from God, and it is actual life, is eternal life. And so this is what we call this good news of the gospel. And as Jesus goes to the cross, uh, and he's the perfect sacrifice in our place to pay the debt we owe, and in, uh, and then Jesus, three days later, you know, he rises from the grave, and he has victory over Satan, sin, and death. And he's inviting us into this. And I think what's fascinating is when Jesus is on the cross, I always wear this bracelet, and it's uh, the word to tell us die. And it means it is finished. So now we can bank on not our works, but on Jesus' finished work on the cross, mm-hmm. taking on the full cup of wrath for our sins on our behalf. And so he literally took our place. And I don't think we realize the good news of this. Mm-hmm. And we hear this message a lot, and especially if you grew up in the church. If you didn't, you, you may not maybe hear it for the first time. But if you grow up in the church, you hear it a lot. And sometimes I know for teenagers that grew up in the church, uh, they're kind of like, yeah, 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 I get this. But it's like, but do you? <laughs> do you really understand this? And so that's why I wear this bracelet to remind myself of it. And we need this reminder every single day. Mm-hmm. And so as Jesus is revealing himself to over 500 people um, that he resurrected from the dead, and he's before his disciples, and before he ascends into heaven, uh, he tells them, I'm going to send a helper. That's going to be more powerful than me. And you're like, what? That makes no sense. But he says, I'm going to send the power uh, of the Holy Spirit. And so for every person who repents of their sins and believes and trusts in Jesus, you get indwelled with the Holy Spirit, which is amazing, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and so this is the good news that we know from the Bible, the gospel, um, that we get this powerful helper to help us now say no to sin. So now we're set free. Mm-hmm. We're completely set free. And Jesus sits at the right hand of the throne of God right now, today. And, and so he's... <laughs> On our behalf, I mean, what a savior! That's all I can say. And there's nothing in this life as worthy as Christ. Right. Like you, you are not as worthy as Christ. Your boyfriend's not as worthy as Christ. Your job, your sport, nothing mm. is as worthy as Christ. And I think in a culture that tells you that you need to just embrace who you are and identify yourself by your sin, um, here's what Jesus tells us to do with our sin. Um, and this is from Colossians chapter two, verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together mm-hmm. with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Like we serve a victorious Christ, like he's alive now. And the one who is life died so that we can overcome death too. And so um, we don't identify ourselves by our sin. We submit it to Christ and he nails it to the cross and we right. never have to see it again. Right. That doesn't mean to say we'll never sin again. There's no, that sin has no power over us. Right. We have the power right. to say no to our flesh and to say no to sin yeah, in Christ. Good so we just ask today that if you don't know Jesus, repent, which means just a turn. Uh, it's a turning that you turn away from your ways to God, mm-hmm. and he gives you a new heart, a new mindset. Um, believe and trust in him today. If you are a Christian today, now what? There's a lot of teenagers' questions. It's like, hey, I believe this. Now what? Well, we live a whole life now of recovering from sin and pursuing God's perfect design for our life which is to go and love others and love God, right? Mm-hmm. Two greatest commandments. And if you look at, uh, you know, I love that verse in Colossians that you read. And um, But in John chapter 8, I read to you guys, it says, if you, will, you can work backwards. It says, you know, it says, the truth will set you free. 
Well, okay, so you know, we set free from sin, but how? Well, you got to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you know the truth? You got to be in the Word. And so we have to be students of the Word. And so we could go on and on about this um, all day long. But this is what we're about here at Pulse Student Ministry is uh, encouraging students to be in the Word. We're in the Word together. Um, and we are awaiting for Christ's return to take mm-hmm. us home where there's no more sin. Uh, but until then, uh, we pray and ask for God to help us persevere and endure together. And so we want parents to know we're with you in this. And we know it's hard at home. We know it's not easy. Um, and so we know a lot of the obstacles that make it difficult. And so we're going to talk more about that in future episodes. And we hope that can be an encouragement to you. Um, but we're here, uh, especially for Denver Baptist families or any families. Um, so parents, you feel free to reach out to us, contact us. we love to pray for you and help in any way that we can. Can you pray for student for parents right now? Sure. Yeah, okay. we can do that. Um, God, we just come to you just so grateful for the blood of Jesus Christ that covers our sin. God, I pray that anyone who's listening now who just feels um, maybe isolated or defeated, God, that they would rest on you because you are victorious. There's no battle that you cannot overcome, God. Um, and without you, we are helpless and we are defeated, God. Um, and so I pray that we all would turn to you, that our faces would be um, brightened just by your presence, by your word. We know that Jesus is the truth. And so to know truth is to know the person of Christ. Um, God, I pray that you would just encourage parents, encourage students, that you would um, use this podcast for your glory and to strengthen families, God. And I just pray that most of all, you'd be glorified. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, DBC. Uh, it's our first episode. Uh, thanks for joining us. And be looking out for some more. See you next time.